Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 98, Giving the Devil His Due. Today's proverb comes from Edmund Burke. I'll read it twice. Seldom have two ages the same fashion in their pretexts and the same modes of mischief. Wickedness is a little more inventive. Once more. Seldom have two ages the same fashion in their pretexts and the same modes of mischief. Wickedness is a little more inventive. Before I start into this proverb, I should say two things. Number one, I'm a little under the weather right now, but I wanted to record the show anyway, so please forgive my scratchy voice. Second, Proverbial is approaching its 100th episode. I'm not entirely settled on what the 100th episode should be, but it seems like an occasion for doing something significant. If you have a suggestion for the 100th episode, you can contact me through gibbsclassical.com and let me know what your suggestion is. If you have the perfect proverb, the perfect idea for the 100th episode, I want to hear about it. So go to gibbsclassical.com, click the More tab at the top, and you'll find the Contact button. And I would love to hear your ideas. Seldom have two ages the same fashion in their pretexts and the same modes of mischief. Wickedness is a little more inventive. 
The short version of this is the devil tempts fathers and sons differently. He tempts the father's generation differently than the son's generation. Wickedness changes things up. If the father is tempted to laziness, or if laziness is the characteristic sin of the father's life, the son will always be tempted to make an idol of work. Or if the father is a drunk, the son will be tempted to make sobriety the ultimate virtue. Unlike most modern Christians, the devil has a plan. And his plan is not just lose slowly. The devil plays the long game. Which is to say that the devil plays a generational game. The long game is a multi-generational game. The devil also understands, better than most people, what happens between one generation and the next. The devil has made a careful study of the passing of the generational torch, or maybe the seizing of the generational torch. He understands the temptations of youth, he understands the temptations of maturity, and the temptations of old age. The devil understands the differences between these three stages of life. According to Burke, the devil doesn't tempt fathers and sons the same way. He goes after sons. He goes after the younger generation, in other words, in a very particular sort of way. And that's what the proverb is about. This is not about the sins of the father. This is a proverb about younger generations, not older generations. This proverb describes a relationship between elder and younger generations, but it falls more on younger generations. There are many different kinds of sins. There are many different kinds of temptations. The biggest, most broad umbrella category for temptations or sins, we'll say sins, are the seven deadly sins and there are many manifestations. But there are other ways of looking at sin apart from the seven deadly sins. Pride, avarice, lust, envy, gluttony, anger, sloth. There are many other ways of looking at sin. And if you were to do an investigation of each of those sins, pride, avarice, lust, you would find that each individual sin of the seven deadly sins has dozens of smaller, lesser, more particular manifestations. So arrogance is a form of pride. Pride and arrogance are not the same thing. Pride and arrogance are related. Arrogance is a sort of pride. But arrogance has to be understood on a more definite level. The same is true, you may have heard me argue this before, that acedia is a very particular kind of sloth. Acedia and sloth are not the same thing. So there are human sins, seven deadly sins. I want to put this as the biggest, broadest umbrella category. Beneath human sins, we can also think of epochal sins, sins of an epoch, sins of an era, like sins of late antiquity, 
sins of the medieval era, sins of modernity, sins of 10 generations in a row, 250 year chunks of human history, where for 10 generations, for 250 years or 300 years, there is some signal essential sin that a generation, or not a generation, but an era is given to. So human sins, broadest category, then epochal sins, sins of an epoch, late antique, medieval, modern, etc. Underneath that, there are generational sins, sins that define a generation, sins that define a 25-year period of human history. Like the sins of baby boomers, the sins of the greatest generation, the sins of Generation X. Smaller than that, family sins. Sins that define a family, sins that run in a family. Like a history of drunkenness, a history of suicide, and so forth. Beneath family sins, we find age-specific sins, sins that go primarily, or sins that are committed primarily by people in a certain phase of life, like the sins of teenagers, the sins of college students, the sins of newlyweds. And underneath all of that is just the stuff that you do, your unique tendency to some particular sin. And I think that it's important for us to consider sin in these many different ways or to to sort of be able to zoom out and see sin in its broadest manifestations, but then to narrow in on particular patterns of temptation. So there are some people that might dismiss this idea of generational sins and say, there are seven great sins. There always have been, there always will be. And no matter what happens, on a technological level, the development of the internet, whatever comes next, um, smartphones, smart watches, smart everything, uh, it's still seven sins. It's still the same sins that people are committing. And that's true, but there's a difference between sin and patterns of temptation that the devil might... uh, tempt everyone to sin to the same seven sins, but he doesn't tempt everyone the same. He doesn't tempt uh, old men to anger in the same way that he tempts young men to anger. It's a different sell. Like every salesman has to size up the person he's selling to. And it might be the same lousy used car he's trying to sell to a 19-year-old or a 40-year-old or a 60-year-old But the same tactics for getting these three people in three different ages to buy a lousy car are going to be very different. The 60-year-old simply knows far more than the teenager. So today's proverb, again, I want to read it. It's a great proverb. Seldom have two ages the same fashion in their pretext and the same modes of mischief. Wickedness is a little more inventive. 
This is a proverb about generational sin. So I want to repeat this one more time. Human sins on the top, epochal sins underneath it, generational sins underneath that, family sins underneath that, age-specific sins underneath that, and your sins underneath that. This is a proverb about one very particular kind of sin or one very particular kind of temptation, and it's generational sin. It's about temptations that work in 25-year cycles. And the claim that Burke makes is that the devil does not tempt two successive generations in the exact same way. The sins may be the same, but the appeal to those sins is different to sons than fathers. And this is because the devil is very clever. You've got to give the devil his due. The devil wants sons to think they are better than their fathers. Better, I mean wiser, more righteous. And this is the reason he does not tempt sons the same way he tempts fathers. The devil tempts the elder generation hard in one direction and then eases off with their children. Now, when the devil eases off the children, the younger generation does not cave to the same sins or the same little manifestations of the seven great sins. And when the younger generation is not tempted the same way and doesn't sin the same way, it means that the sins of their parents are much easier to see. And when the sins of your parents are very easy to see and your own sins are very hard to see, it makes the younger generation take this myopic view of itself. And it can't help but claiming progress, moral progress, even if there's only been a slight easing off of one particular sin in one particular area of your life or the, the existence of a generation, if you don't commit the same sins as your father, there's going to be a real temptation to say, I'm better than my father. We, this is the generation that finally figured it out. This is the generation that finally put it all together. Progress is real. We are witnessing progress here in my generation. Do you see how we have overcome the sins that dogged our father? I think this is the generational sin and the fact that the devil doesn't tempt children the way that he tempts their father is the phenomenon that leads the younger generation to believe in progress and to believe that human nature is changing. That's what, that's what we mean when we speak of moral progress, that human nature is being refined, that humans as a whole are getting better. Human nature is getting better. And if human nature is getting better, we do not need to listen to the past. We do not need to listen to tradition and our ancestors and anything old. We are making progress. This generation has made progress. If we listen to the past, we're going to have to give up all the progress that we've made. Is it not obvious how we're so much better off in this area than our parents were? In addition to tempting the younger generation differently than the elder generation, the devil also tempts the younger generation to believe that the sins of their father or the unique sins of their father 
we're the only sort of sin that really counts. So whatever the sin is that your parents committed that you don't, whatever sin your parents' generation committed that your generation doesn't, the devil also tempts you to believe that that's the only sin that really counts. That was the linchpin. And if you can just defeat the sin, the signal sin, the defining sin of your father's generation, the world will finally be a great place to live. I've mentioned this before, but there's probably no better case study of this sort of generational phenomenon than prohibition. If you listen to prohibition rhetoric leading up to the 18th Amendment, supporters of prohibition genuinely believed that liquor was the only thing holding this country back from a utopian state. Prohibitionists often claimed that all the problems of the world could be wiped clean if it weren't for drunkenness. Drunkenness, it was claimed, was the cause of many miserable marriages. It was the cause of many early deaths, much violence, much social disorder. And the prohibitionists could point at many drunk people who had done many bad things and say, none of these bad things would have happened if it weren't for liquor. The thing is, is that the sins of fathers are never really entirely defeated. The sins of your father simply recede as fathers themselves recede and get old. The defining sin of your father's generation holds a very small place in the world by the time your generation has taken power. In the, in the same way that people in their 60s are retreating from public life, retreating from the limelight, handing it over to people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. So as that elder generation phases out of the center of society, the sin, their defining sin, their generational sin, also begins phasing out. Thus, the sin which the world so desperately needs to deal with is already failing, it's already dying, and it's fairly easy to kill. It's a paper tiger. Your father's sins are nearly ready to age out of the world. Your father's sins are feeble and decrepit. And the younger generation puts on its armor like Don Quixote and gallantly rides out to defeat it. And even though that sin is already almost done with, and the younger generation is doing nothing more than kicking the nearly dead corpse of their parents defining sin. They cannot help but boasting of their remarkable success at stamping evil out of this world. The triumph over this one sin, the sin of your fathers, is the pretext for the younger generation changing whatever else about the world. The world the elder generation has bequeathed to them, which does not suit the younger generation. The most unique sin of the elder generation becomes the only thing 
the elder generation ever did. It becomes not simply the besetting sin of the elder generation, but the younger generation is always tempted to see it as the only thing their fathers ever did. And thus every accomplishment of the elder generation is read through the lens of their most unique sin. And so even their virtues are seen as hypocritical. The only way around this is to honor your father and mother, number one, which is a embarrassing thing to do. Beyond the age of 10, it's embarrassing to honor your father and mother. Past 10, beyond the age of 10, you have such a great incentive to disparage your mother and father. I see this all the time in my high school classes, listening to my students, remembering it myself. The only way around this is to honor your father and mother and to confess your own sins daily and to realize that your generation too, the gallant generation, bravely defeating the sins of your parents also has a defining sin and that your own children's generation will do the same as you. And James Baldwin once said, this is a loose paraphrase. Children have never been good at obeying their parents, but they've never failed to imitate them. There will never be a generation, never, that claims our parents were the generation that finally figured things out. After you've started it, it's hard to escape this vicious cycle of every generation claiming to be the generation that finally figured it out. If you claim to be the generation that finally figured it out, your children will claim the same. They will imitate you. Which means you need to tell yourself every day. If you want your children to listen to you, you got to tell yourself every day. I have not seen through the BS. I am not a part of the generation that has finally figured it out. If you tell yourself that every day, your children will say it too. And you will have done a good job raising them. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.